Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Sex in the Office. Woo! Pause all around. <laughs> We're back for another week, and on this episode, we are talking about Steph's boob job story and mm-hmm. now explant, meaning she's taken those bad girls out. Very Talk- bad girls. Very bad girls. <laughs> We're talking about Steph's DNA results, which are a part of her explant surgery and protocol, which is really interesting and has some interesting data. Then we're talking about health tests in general, which I find really exciting, but doctors and studies might not agree that they are as exciting as I think they are. (laughs) And then last, business updates. We might get around to talking about Black Friday list and best decisions ever. A lot of B's today. Yeah. Boobs, Black Friday, business, and (laughs) best decisions ever. We should just stick with the B's. So to start, so Steph has a really crazy boob job story. Which I didn't know was that crazy until this explant decision and the reason why I decided to get them taken out was because of experiencing breast implant illness and this is something I've been hearing about for the last five years five years ago I heard about it for the first time and I didn't want to believe it I heard it from this girl I followed religiously on Instagram her name's Angie Lee and she was saying how she had all these symptoms come up for her and how other women were reaching out and sharing their stories and they all lined up, right? They all had the same symptoms and it was wild. It was like, oh my God, your story is my story. What the hell's going on? Why, are, why is no one talking about this? Why are doctors still putting these in women? And it was this podcast that was very, caused me a lot of anxiety and I had to turn it off. I remember going to bed, being like turning it off when it wasn't done yet. And just going to bed feeling like, starting to feel pain in my boobs, which I've never felt before. So I know that it was just me like getting really anxious and feeling, oh my God, like something's in me that shouldn't be there, but I need them. They make me feel more feminine and I like them. I don't want to, whatever. Fuck that podcast. It's probably not true. (laughs) Immediately just shut it down. And even though there's a part of me that believed it and got anxious, I shut it down and didn't want to seek out any more of those stories. So I avoided them. And even though they popped up from time to time, I just was like, oh, no, that's not me. And it's funny because a lot of women are responding to me in that way now. And they're like, oh, no, that's not me. I don't have any symptoms. I'm like, yeah, that wasn't me either until nine years later. Here I am nine years later, actually eight months ago was when the symptoms really started getting bad to the point where I was like, I don't even feel like myself anymore. I feel like it's hard to live a daily life because of these symptoms getting in the way. When my gut is is all messed up and I can't go out in public because I'm not sure if I'll have to go to the bathroom within the next five seconds. It got to the point where I didn't leave the house for a couple weeks because I was f- afraid of what could happen. There was pain every day. There was nausea as soon as I took certain bites of food. Pretty much everything. Eye blurriness. So pretty much every symptom you can imagine. <laughs> I have about 40 something of the 50 that women get. So it's just been a wild ride. And I solidified my decision to get them taken out. And I had to get on a three-month wait list with this amazing surgeon who I have 
who believes in breast implant illness and he only takes them out of women now. His name is Dr. Robert Whitfield. He's in Austin, Texas, and he believes in it. He believes in putting women on detox programs. He doesn't do implants anymore? No, he will not do implants now that he knows what they've done. He used to do them for cancer patients, so like for women who had to get double mastectomies. Yeah, and now he will no, no longer do that, and a lot of the women... Um, who had them once they got the double mastectomy got sick and had to come back and get them taken out so it's it's just like being able to work with him and his team has shown such a light on not only the importance or the awareness of breast implant illness but also importance of understanding your body through the healing process of once they're taken out because even a lot of women just take them out and then they all their symptoms come back for years later and they're like oh my god this is something i have to live with forever when really that's just the body's length of time it takes to naturally detox so what dr rob does is put you on a specific detox program so that you are taking supplements and you're working with a nutritionist who is slowly incorporating more foods into your diet and um, making sure that you start from the ground up in protecting your gut and just taking care of things the right way in terms of healing. So you're not doing it naturally, you're doing it through supplementation and expert guidance that's has that's specific to your body. So in order to, to do this and to understand exactly what's going on in my body, I had them run tests on, do their testing program as well, which did which, which tested the toxins in my body, the heavy metals in my body, they did a food allergy test to see what foods were causing the most inflammation. What was the other test? A gut test to see how I'm processing foods and nutrition. And also a DNA test to get clear on what is most likely, what I am most likely susceptible to. Basically, she had to get blood drawn poop in a cup oh my god yeah <laughs> and what else what else did you have there like, a saliva test saliva. a pee test a poop test the yeah. poop test day was rough she was like texting me as she's <laughs> dealing with this situation you were like babe we need some sort of privacy yeah we need boundaries <laughs> yeah. we need i texted you once it's not like i was texting you the whole time like sending she sent pictures. pictures no i did not it was so weird. Oh, i was dealing with a lot that was horrible i'm scarred for life taking that test i had to literally dig through my poop and put it in a tube it was just with her hands. Yeah, with okay, with a spoon. Okay. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, not a spoon we use. Oh no, they god. give you a spoon. They give you a spoon oh that comes god, with the tube. Guys, oh my god, no, no. Okay, on. anyway, it was horrible. But it got me these test results, right? Once I got the test results, my nutritionist told me, all right, get rid of all this shit in your diet. Get rid of gluten. Get rid of this. We're going to start from scratch. So basically, I'm eating like 10 foods over and over. And I feel so much better. It's amazing what a difference that you're changing your diet has made. Yeah. Night and day. Yeah. In terms of symptoms, in terms of energy, in terms of energy, both literally like physical energy and also like your aura. <laughs> it's just Not a depressing oh my God, dark it's, cloud it's every day. Difference. So basically her And new, my bloating. I'm like hardly ever bloated anymore, yep. which was a daily thing. Basically, her new doctor and that team has been incredible, and they are highly specialized, probably mm-hmm. 
they have to be one of the best teams in the world in terms of explants and consummate professionals, which is such a juxtaposition compared to her first doctor. Tell, yeah, explain that story. But the reason why my first doctor came to mind was because my new doctor wanted me to get a deflation so that I knew if I wanted to get a lift along with my surgery. So what that means is that I, if I, if I was if my skin was sagging for any reason, once the implants were taken out, then I would want them to tighten up the skin. But a good way to know that before going into surgery is doing a deflation, which is sucking out the liquid of the implant so that the boob goes to the point where it would most likely look like about without the implants in you. I figured, all right, let's do the deflation. That will give me a good idea if I want the lift. And Dr. Rob said, all right, we have to make sure that you have saline implants. And I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure I do. I'm like 98% sure. Because I remember telling my original doctor who was in Manhattan, New York City doctor, fancy schmancy, right? You just assume you'd be great. I was like, I remember telling him I want saline because silicone is more dangerous. And he was like, oh, I know. And I remember him talking to me very, no, I'm going to make you look hot. I got, I got it, blah, blah, blah. He was not professional. Oh my God, nowhere near the level of professionalism as Dr. Rob. So anyway, Dr. Rob said to go find out if they're definitely saline. So I go to research the office of my original doctor who put these implants in me when I was 23 years old and I couldn't find his website. And I'm like, what the hell? Is he not a doctor anymore? Is he not practicing? What happened? And I find this article immediately on Google where it's like, Dr. I don't know if I should say his name. Say his name. Put that fool on blast. Okay, Dr. Sade. Yeah, it's out there. <laughs> Dr. Sade flees the country for botching women's surgeries and lying to them and withholding their medical records. So I was like, okay, chances are I'm never going to see this guy. I'm never going to get my medical records. I will never know if I have saline or silicone implants in me. And apparently I was supposed to get an implant card and every woman with implants gets one. And I never got one. I know for a fact I didn't get one. And that would have told me what kind of implants I have. Dr. Rob has no idea what kind of implants I have. And we went under the assumption that they're saline because I remember telling this doctor. Meaning we went, meaning we flew down to Austin. Oh yeah, we flew to Austin for this deflation yesterday. Took two flights to Austin, get there right at the minute, get into the office And he goes, all right, let's try to do an ultrasound to see if that will show us if they're definitely saline. And he thought he saw liquid. He was like, there's a good chance they're liquid. I see signs of liquid. I'm not entirely sure, but let's just put you on the table and see, let's go through with it. And it won't work if they're silicone. So puts me on the table, beautiful heated operating table. (laughs) It's really comfy. And so I'm like sitting there crying, getting all emotional. Like Candace, the woman's holding my hand. The team is just amazing. And he's numbing him up and goes in and nope, doesn't work. So we flew to Austin <laughs> to find that my original doctor lied to me in terms of what he put in my body. And I never had the implant card to show for it. He fled the country. So there was just no way of telling. So anyway, crazy story. I lucked out knowing that I didn't 
he didn't botch mine. Like Yeah, her boobs look great. They look good. <laughs> I definitely, yeah, don't have botched implant job from that guy. But yeah, it was just like a holy shit moment and just laying there feeling very deceived and lied to and frustrated. But also at the same time feeling really good that I'm now in good hands and that my body is in the best place possible at this point and receiving that horrible news in I don't know it was like it could have been so much worse it receiving that news if it weren't for the professionalism and kindness and compassion of this team and this doctor who I'm going into surgery with in two weeks yeah crazy story but I'm on the road to recovery for sure and I I trust everyone I'm working with now so one of these tests you got done was a DNA test and mm-hmm. you got some results, which I have not heard yet, but you said are pretty interesting and cool. So yeah. Tell me about them. Yeah. First, I found out I have a ton of mold in my body and heavy metals. From and the DNA the, test or from? No, from test? the other toxicity test that I did, which I think was the saliva, the urine or whatever. So doing that, I think it was like interesting to find that out and then find out what foods were causing that. And yeah, this is just for anyone who might possibly be interested in working with professionals who can help you understand your health if you've been exposed to mold, what that looks like for your body, how you what you can do to handle it or to live life in a non-toxic way. So anyway, that was really interesting data. And then this data from the DNA test, my nutritionist called me and she was outlining the most important things for us to know with me going into surgery. And she said that in terms of, there's different sections. So the first section was mood and behavior. And she said, for me, I'm more likely to use food as coping mechanisms. That's what, wait, my... what? So this, that from a DNA test? Yeah. <sighs> what? Yeah. And she said, I'm more susceptible to burnout. What? So, yeah, like, I can get stressed a lot easier or burnt out than the average person, according to my DNA. According to your DNA. Okay, now, wow. I thought I was interested before. Okay, this is Yeah, this no, is it's, much it's so much more than, than just the food. Than I thought. And then she said, also, there's a lot of susceptibility to anxiety in my DNA, which makes sense because I have my mom, my sister, we all have anxiety. That's pretty prevalent. Um, I feel like this is, this could easily be taken the wrong way, but I feel like pretty much every woman I know seems highly susceptible to anxiety. I don't really meet a lot of, I would say women in general who don't deal with what seems like a mm. above average level of anxiety. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Why do you think that is? Why do you say that? I think, I don't know. I think there's something that's a part of the female and specifically feminist, fem- feminine um, nature of a lot of females that that creates this personality of where they seem more susceptible to anxiety. So I wonder also what this DNA says about 
male versus female differences mm-hmm. like sure. higher susceptibility to anxiety compared to the average person compared to other females i mean this is compared to the average this is compared to every other um, human what the data that she has like she works with all bii women mainly so this is this would be compared to those other women compared to those she said i'm in like a similar ballpark with compared to what she sees mostly but yeah i don't know if this is compared to most women like i don't know the general comparison interesting anyways i didn't think that dna would tell you all this so this is yeah curious yeah, I didn't think it could read anything on mood or behavior. But she also said there's a lot of addictive tendencies in my DNA. There's no ADHD or any signs of that, which is another common one. Addict- I don't feel like you have addictive tendencies. But she says, she says if you get consumed with something, you can just do it all day long and it won't bother you. Or like you can do it, like you can stick with something and get a little obsessed with it which I do feel like that about work sometimes compared to most of my friends I don't know if it's if that's also a woman thing that most women aren't like as obsessed as I am with work I feel like for men it is different because you guys get very I don't know but that's not necessarily true either because I know I don't know. Like she just said, it could be hobbies. It could be work. It could be alcohol. I have a lot of alcoholics in my family. So there's definitely a lot of alcohol yeah, but addiction. You're not like, you don't love alcohol. No. Yeah. So this, uh, okay. No, but she's saying like. A little bit like a horoscope to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's saying you're susceptible to addiction. You're more susceptible than the average person to addiction. Yeah. Based just, on my body. It's interesting. I just, I've never seen any of those that susceptible nature because I don't see you addicted to I've never seen you display any type of addictive behavior even work I I don't feel like I've seen you obsessed for an entire day over over really where I would call it like addictive or yeah no oh I feel like I am I feel like I get in phases where all I can think about is work like all day long yeah. Maybe it's just because you've been dealing with all these health issues for so long now. I haven't seen mm. that side of you because you're probably very limited by your ability to stay focused and mm-hmm. energized through that level of addiction for a day of work mm-hmm. because of just the different health things that you have going on. I think that's it makes sense if I think about it the way of this whole health thing has been an obsession too to the point where it makes me anxious because all I do is focus on I'll either focus on ways to get better or focus and dwell on the fear I do find myself very intensely focusing on either the anxiety of it or getting better of it getting better with it because I know there are days I know I even catch this where I'm like sharing with you every bit of news I found out during the day and I could tell you're like oh cool that's every day 
Every day there is a exactly there's like updates, and I feel like I have to tell you, and yeah. I feel like. But also, that's also not that also feels like a female thing. Yeah, because I, I, every partner I've ever had has, if if that's the kind of. If, I wonder if it it can also have to do with you attracting certain types of females. Yeah, that's possible. Because maybe there's a part of you that likes to help. I think I'm a good in that listener. Way, or you are a good listener, yeah. So it goes hand in hand if you And I'll be curious and engage. And mm-hmm. so if my partner wants to talk to me about things and catch me up on every detail of the day. <laughs> but I also feel like that's a little bit of a female trope. This woman wants to talk about all the details and feelings and guy is just like... Yeah, you know, like you could have told me yeah, that in two good. minutes. <laughs> yeah, but either way, anyways, okay, I'll okay. stop interrupting. Keep, All right, yeah, I'll let you keep going. So, immune pathways. Apparently, there are four immunity pathways that we all have, and three out of the four of mine are sub. What's the word? Like, optimal. Yeah, suboptimal. So not. Not ideal. Not ideal. Yeah. So the one, interestingly enough, the one that is ideal and functioning normally is the way my body handles inflammation, (laughs) naturally. Of all things. (laughs) I know. Of all things. So it's... Are you sure this is your DNA test? (laughs) (laughs) So confused. Yes. Yes. My body handles it well. I've just been overwhelmed with the implants. So once they're out, it most likely means I'm going to jump back very quickly because my body has a good every it works properly when it comes to handling that when it's not in overdrive or vitamin d if for for one of the pathways that's not working so well has to do with me not getting enough sunlight i could be vitamin d deficient easier than most people so i just need to make sure i get sunlight and take magnesium. Another part, another immunity pathway is the detox pathway. That's another one that's not working full. It's not functioning fully to the best of its ability. And that is relative to toxic environments. For me to use more toxic free products, it would just make me feel a lot better in terms of my life, my living. This isn't stuff that I have to do. It's just if I do it, I will feel differently. If I do these things, I will notice that life is easier. My body just naturally feels better all the time. And then the third one that wasn't working optimally was the antioxidant pathway. So this has to do with me like getting just wiped out more, more susceptible to just like exhaustion if I don't take care of myself vitamin c has to do with this one so it most likely means if i take more vitamin c i will have more energy and be able to go for much longer with tasks of the day it told me that healthy fats to take up 20 percent of my diet is like optimal for my diet so if 20 percent of my diet is fat my body runs best that's it only 20 percent that seems really low Really? No, it's not. Yeah. No. That's like the ideal 
that's like a natural what's it called that's like the average recommendation for diets that nutritionists give is 20% fat wow yeah because my I thought women needed to eat more fat and my macro balance when I'm doing you uh, focus on a sustainable sort of diet is like 30% fat that's your body type yeah I just thought you can handle it I thought women needed more no fat in their diet no typically like we can handle let we hold on to a lot more fat and we have a lot more fat it doesn't necessarily mean we need to eat more sure but yeah I've eaten about 20%. Like when I was eating, when I was in top shape, like I was doing 20% fat. Like when I looked my best and felt amazing. It was specific because I did a food plan and I mapped out percentages and it was 20% fat. So that made sense to me. Carbs around, like she said, 60 to 65% carbs. And... Yeah, are are good for me too. Wait, so that means only f- ten to five percent would be protein. I don't know if this. I know that's what I was thinking because that wouldn't make sense. But maybe it's like playing around with different diets is possible. So like, I can handle sixty five percent carbs. Anything above that wouldn't. I wouldn't function best interesting carb wise i have questions for this lady (laughs) what questions what do you mean the macro balance doesn't make sense to me this isn't this isn't like something i need to eat all it's like i can't i shouldn't be doing over 20 percent fats i shouldn't do any more than 60 percent carbs if i'm on a whatever diet so it's basically like i shouldn't exceed those percentages of those. Yeah, got it. My insulin resistance is really good. My gut health, I'm lactose intolerant, which I knew. And I have a gluten sensitivity, but I'm not gluten intolerant. I can manage it, meaning I... Can have pizza. Can have pizza again. Woo! In five months. (laughs) But once I get my gut back on track and I start slowly incorporating foods again, I'll be able to eat gluten here and there. And most likely, I won't be able to... I'm not going to... I'm not going to... I'm going to still be very mindful of avoiding gluten, like when possible, but then... Just if I really want a cheat meal or for out and the only thing I could see. So I'm starting to think of, all right, how can I keep how I've been eating super clean, but also not limit myself or feel like I'm depriving myself? Because even she said, you still have to live a little bit. That's healthy for your nervous system to not put stress on yourself by avoiding things just because whatever. Sleep to help my circadian rhythm, which is a little sensitive, means blue light glasses will make a big difference. And she really believes in blue light glasses. I know there's a lot of 
people who are either really for them or really just don't feel like they do anything. Yeah, I thought they were hocus pocus. Yeah, I know. That's what I said to her. And she's like, no, they were. Accuse them. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And then amber lights helping me. So anything that will help my body adjust to the sleep will help me sleep throughout the night so that I'm not waking up. And the amber lights and the blue lights will make a really big difference for me getting the best quality sleep. And she said to look at this website because apparently looking at, like going to the website has like everything in terms of like DNA around my hair, like hair loss, like all this other stuff. She's like, there's some, like everything. Like you could see so much. I'm just giving you like the tip of the iceberg based on what we need to work on right now for like surgery time. But she said that if you check it out, they have like videos for each thing that like explain to you, all right, these are, this is how you can work with this. Like here are the specific things to do. So she said it's really interesting and informative. But, and then this was interesting. She said when it came to the hormone part in terms of the hormones, fitness and body type, she said my body does not, my body prefers weights over cardio because cardio brings inflammation into my body and doesn't like ends up not working well for me, which I feel like makes sense because I've always tried to, she's like, this is why like so many like women especially try to push cardio and they, they start gaining weight and like it's not working for them. They can't burn any fat because it's just not optimal for their body. And I always felt that way with cardio. I just like, yeah, anything like that's too intensity or too like running a few miles it just feels like i feel weak i feel like it doesn't feel inflamed good. it does not feel good yeah my joints hurt like it just weightlifting has always been the thing that like i feel amazing doing um she said there's higher estrogen i'm estrogen dominant which makes sense and that's why i have like, the endo symptom and my other doctor was trying to put me on a hormone balancer because he said I have high estrogen. And she was like, you really, let's try to avoid hormone, playing around with with pills for hormones. And she's, we could do it naturally through a, a certain supplement. And she gave me the supplement that's very effective for helping women balance when they're too high in estrogen. And she said soy products are really high in estrogen. So if I can avoid soy that would be ideal. And I'm like, my protein soy. I was was like, I finally found a protein that I can like handle and feels great. And she was like, let's try to switch to pea protein. And I'm like, I hate pea protein. (laughs) But, but but yeah, so apparently, yeah, soy is not the best for me if I want to like, and it might help with my, with this pain that I have if I get rid of soy. The pain in your pelvis from endo. Yeah, from potential endo. Endo yeah. meaning endometriosis. Sam. Just <laughs> <sorry>. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then she said just when I start drinking again, just being more mindful of having wines from international wines, not U.S. wines. And just, I was like, can I still have been in Jerry's again in my life? Is that always going to be like an inflammatory thing for me? And she's like, no chances are like your body will get back to being able to handle things but even as we age she was like people can't handle foods as they did when they were younger and then especially if you have a 
traumatic event happen to your body, sometimes it's just moving forward. That thing is always going to cause you some sort of discomfort. Especially if you're lactose intolerant. Yeah, but I, I always used to eat ice cream and it was never like a thing where I was like, all right, let's get my pills ready. It wasn't that bad. But I always knew I, I used to take the enzymes when I was young. I always had lactate pills. And then I stopped using them because apparently you start relying on those and then your body stops producing the enzyme naturally. So I was like, all right, let me stop taking these pills. And then I haven't had as much issues with dairy. But um, yeah. So anyway, just some adjustments in terms of focusing more on maybe even going back to weight training, get off that protein, start using my blue block glasses at night and then increase some of these vitamins enlightening stuff I really want to get a bunch of health tests I think that if they are accurate Mm. would be really good to know like blood work like DNA test food sensitivity test I would really like to know yeah that would be good for you yeah that would be good for everyone yeah accurate tests would be good for everyone turns Mm. out the at home health test market is currently valued at 16.66 billion dollars that was 2021 and over the next 10 years it's going to grow at 10.5 percent annually to 45.5 Five eight billion dollars by 2031 so these at-home health tests are becoming more and more popular which makes sense because it's very the convenience it makes sense for a couple reasons number one is the convenience of taking these tests in your home you don't have to go out you don't have to go to a doctor's office where it's like potentially uncomfortable to have these Mm -hmm. conversations to deal with people it's it's very attractive number two is Companies like Everly Well and other direct-to-consumer home health test companies just make it so much, their marketing is a lot better. Like when I started looking into getting blood work tests and you find labs that do it, it's confusing to sign up. The language they use on the website is confusing. I don't know what tests to get. I don't know what is recommended for me specifically as a guy Mm -hmm. or as a guy of a certain age. The whole thing is just a lot of medical speak and I don't know where to put my money. And yeah, I just, I tried to go through it and it was confusing. And then when I looked at the direct consumer home health test companies, they just make it a lot more straightforward and a lot more reasonable. However, once I start to do the research around the efficacy of at-home health tests, it seems like there are some questionable there's some questions around the efficacy of these tests for different reasons and for different tests the one that i was looking into most deeply was the at-home food sensitivity test it turns out that the type of test that they have you do has is questionable in terms of the validity of the type of test that they use and there's not overwhelming evidence that the type of test that they do is going to give you accurate and useful results. 
and they suggested one suggestion I saw was that a better alternative is to get a test where you do it in a doctor's office. I had this type of test done when I was a kid where they prick you with mm-hmm. the different all the different types of things they want to test you for and then based on how your skin reacts to what they're testing they can determine your level of your level of like how intense of an allergy you have to any of those things that they're testing you for mm. so that was how when i found out when i was a kid i found out not that i really needed them to tell me this but i found out i was allergic to like grass and hay which i knew because if i rolled around it i'd get really itchy and it'd be really uncomfortable but yeah so that was a disappointment and especially because some of these tests that you might want to take the ones that i wanted to take were 200 300 plus dollars and i still think there might be some that are valid out there i also wonder if there are labs i know there was one lab in la that was this sort of be proactive about your health kind of company that wouldn't go through insurance and i think it was called forward or something like that and you could it was like a walk-in clinic and you could get all these tests done and then they would provide like the protocol that Dr. Rob is giving you where you get these tests done and then they say, okay, here's where you can do a little bit better. Here's the things that we recommend in terms of supplements. And so I don't know if they have one of those in New York City. I've only looked into the direct-to-consumer options so far, and they're definitely more straightforward, but I wonder how much of it is marketing versus how much of it is actually useful. Yeah. Possibly more to come on that, especially if I actually get some of these tests done, because I do think the data would be really useful. In particular, I'm curious about how things like food, different types of food affect my energy throughout the day, because that's something that I would really like to optimize. Over the last, not in the last few days since I had family in town and traveling, but for about a week or week and a half, I was fasting. I wasn't eating until sometime between usually like 12.30 and 2.30 in the afternoon. And I felt way better in terms of my energy levels throughout the day. And so that's something I'm definitely going to stick to. I always knew that. You've also been eating heavy food every day the last few days. Regardless of the last few days, I always suspected that eating the way I was, which when I had a goal of packing on muscle and packing on calories. So that meant at some points in my life eating as many as 3,000 calories a day, which meant by 10 a.m. I had thrown back probably 1,000 of those calories between protein shake, meal replacement powder, nuts, granola, oats, all these different things to help me get to that 3,000 calorie a day goal and that was only possible if i was eating throughout the day i just i couldn't fathom trying to fit yeah. all of that into a a time frame that was half the time and so, yeah I, I definitely am going to continue the fasting other than that lots of interesting things on health i think I'm other than that I think I'm good think you're good and 
terms of... Being silent when I'm plugging this in. Because I didn't know what you were doing. <laughs> My laptop was dying, so I had to go plug it in. Okay. And plug it in. <laughs> Wait, the other day, I was randomly singing, I'm a big kid now. And then Andrew was like, wait, what is that from? And I was like, I don't know. I think it's some toy at Toys R Us. And then he's showering and he's like singing it. He's like, I'm a big kid now. And I go, oh, wait, it's the diaper commercial. <laughs> so we just kept singing the diaper jingle. All right, anyway, go. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's all I've got. I have some, some few other things. We could do business updates real quick. Okay. I guess just to go off of what you said about, <clears throat> yeah, about the tests, I don't think I would, I, I know there's some reputable tests out there. Like I know Cellcore, I think that's the one I'm doing or, yeah, I forget the names of them, but there's definitely some that are the best like if you search like they're just known as being top tier labs so if you do your research and don't just do the most popular ones that's probably a good step also finding if there's any doctors you trust because i know i would not be doing this whole detox program with all the supplements and testing if i didn't trust the doctor and his team behind it and know what he was searching for and what kind of data he was looking for and what he's trying to help with. That's just going to give you, I don't know, more clarity and help you make a better decision rather than just get like a 23andMe test. Isn't that what everyone does? The 23andMe? Isn't that for your lineage, right? Isn't that for your... Is that all it's for though? I don't know. Oh, okay. Whatever. Just do some research. (laughs) <laughs> sage advice babe sage <laughs> advice thanks <laughs> all right go on business updates last week alex started so the entire team has been in the full swing of things for over a week now and last week i had six people on my team six people on my team not including myself, who worked full-time. So even though... Basically, I have six like full-time team members right now, which is really crazy mm. to think about and pretty exciting and cool and amazing that as much work is getting done, just like when you scale a team and you get to see the business move forward and your team do a better job than you do at the things that you were falling short on because you were falling short on time it's really exciting and we have the two new team members both come with different skill sets and so it just feels like everything is firing on all cylinders closed hopefully closed a really big new deal we got a referral a nationwide insurance company that's trying to triple their growth over the next few years and at the foundation of that would be the work that i do in search engine optimization for them they were skeptical of our team's capabilities, largely because of our website, which, to be fair, it looks very amateur and 
like crap right now. So we're in the middle of redesigning it. So I had to go in and meet the CEO and I think it's the CEO and basically close the deal. So it feels like 70% chance yes for moving forward, 30% chance he could still say no and try to find another vendor. But I definitely put my best foot forward and was fully prepared for the meeting. So that, that felt good. And yeah, just super focused on, on sales and, and growth and innovation and experimentation and cultivating an exciting, fun work culture for the team. Expenses have gone up like crazy since August mm-hmm. 1st with hiring two new people and giving one of my employees a, a raise after a year and providing health benefits to my to three of my employees um yeah so <laughs> i have a lot of work ahead of me to now buckle up and start getting closing more deals so that's what i'm heavily focused on yeah. right now but all good things all really exciting exciting and it's, yeah it's just crazy that it's like a new chapter yeah new chapter of just growth with the company and Definitely well on our way to hitting seven figures for the first time between Bananas and Pesty next year. If we really if we really crushed it, we could blow past that, but not hitting, it would be a major disappointment if somehow we didn't hit seven figures. And I would really have to have screwed up if we don't. Mm, next so, year. Next year, yeah. This year, aiming for about 700,000 in revenue between the two businesses. Or that's what we're on pace mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I feel like I'm enjoying getting more in the weeds with trying to understand the problems of my clients and trying to find ways to make the process of me helping them more efficient in terms of how they view it i'm trying to get a better understanding basically of how my clients can see progress each step of the way instead of just get to the end and be like holy shit this is great i didn't expect this like i want one-on-one clients my one-on-one but also in the pe course and also trying to be more mindful about the meditations so that they how I'm going to start this new format of them having a weekly schedule so that each week feels like each day of the week feels like an accomplishment because they did the Monday meditation and yeah it's like you're in full on startup mode you finally gotten to the point where you built up the business where you have two main product lines and then you do consulting so like you have clients and that that's not an uncommon way for startups to to act where you have consulting revenue, which brings in a lot of your revenue, most of your revenue. And then you have two products, your PE course, and then your meditations app, but basically in the form of a podcast. And you're trying to scale your PE course, and you're trying to scale your meditations app, and you're doing that in part through the problem solving that you do with your consulting clients. And you're also doing that through collecting user feedback by deploying surveys and then uh, really 
looking at the qualitative data that you get back through those surveys and trying mm-hmm. to look for trying to have uh, use pattern recognition to see what are some of the common things that you're seeing come up over and over again mm-hmm. and then you're iterating on your PE course to make that better you're iterating and adding to your meditations to make that better and your I think what's and I think what's helping to actually make it better and to make me confident in that it is getting better is me reaching out to my customers and my clients and asking them. And I feel like last year, even the beginning of this year, I was so much more emotional about doing that. Like I was afraid to ask for feedback because it's like, what if they don't like it? They didn't reach out to me like blah, blah, blah. And it sounds so ridiculous, but I think a lot of people fall into that trap of, I don't think I'm the only one who's afraid to look for honest feedback and put it out there where it's, hey, how can I improve? To ask the question, how can I be better, is not always the easiest thing to ask. Or what is not resonating with you? Like, what would you like added in that would be helpful? And even when I get responses that are like, this doesn't resonate with me at all, and I was looking for more of this, it's, oh my God, okay, great. And I'm like, I'm more able to see that as such valuable feedback instead of taking it personally. I didn't do a good job. And then it's actually getting me excited to create more and better, more efficient content to help that person and, or those people, the people in the same boat as that person who gave me that feedback. I think that's actually been really exciting recently is not tying so much emotion to the responses I get, even when they're not ideal responses that are in favor of what I'm doing. It's all useful and you are correct that Asking for honest feedback is something that a lot of founders and business owners avoid. One of the biggest mistakes that I see when I work with, usually it's a business owner, is online reviews are worth their weight in gold. Like they're everything to a small business, especially service businesses, which is what I typically specialize in helping. And my suggestion always and unequivocally is you need to send a review request to every single one of your customers. Mm-hmm. And almost inevitably, I get pushback, which is I don't want to do that just in case someone has is going to leave a negative review or a negative rating. Mm-hmm. And so they do one of two things. Either they gate their review requests, and so they only send review requests to people that they know are going to provide positive feedback or they just don't do it at all because they're so afraid of getting a negative review that they would rather stagnate in terms of their online reputation than just collect honest feedback. And it is so uh, hurtful in ways that you don't even see if you're not getting honest feedback because the opportunity cost of not fixing the things that are not working is massive because it means you're Mm -hmm. going to continue to do things that are not working Mm -hmm. and ignore them pretend like they're not there but your business doesn't get better if you're doing that and the clients that i see who do the best are the ones who put the foot on the gas they allow honest feedback to come through and their reviews are not perfect they do get bad reviews sometimes but some percentage of those people are simply unreasonable some percentage of those people just had a bad experience. And 
at least when they get that honest feedback, they're able to take action on the feedback that you're, they're getting. And so that's what you're doing is you're letting it all come in, good or bad, even though it's been overwhelmingly good, certainly not bad. I don't think you have you gotten any feedback that was like, this sucks, I want my money back. No, exactly. <laughs> and it's reasonable. so funny because I was so terrified of that. Like putting out the 100% guarantee, I was like, or your money back. I was so hesitant to do it. And I even had a business coach of mine tell me not to do it. And she was like, you're a woman business. You're a female-led business. We have to like get what we're, what we deserve, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, but let's put that aside because it doesn't fucking matter (laughs) that I'm a female business owner. What matters is that I have a great product and that people feel that, right? And it's looking at just going through Alex Hermosi's book and how much he stresses that and how much more likely focusing on the math, not the emotions. If you just see how many more people you will be able to serve at the end of the day, having that guarantee is just worth its weight in gold. And it has been like no one asked for, I think I got two refunds because they thought it was a different sort of course out of almost 70. So that's been, even that in itself, to just be like, whoa, okay, I sold this many. I've reached out to all these guys. Like, I've seen what's been helpful. I see how much they enjoy the content. Like, and collecting the- that evidence is really important for confidence. And once you have enough confidence, it's much easier to also collect the evidence of the feedback that isn't necessarily great. If you know it's helped so many people, and then there's two where it's like this isn't working and I'm struggling I want it to work or like this really didn't work for me then you want to understand okay like why it works for everyone else so if you have I think like having that evidence also helps a lot which just means having more sales and if money back guarantees helps you get more sales then you just end up getting more feedback and your churn has been super low which in and of itself is very indicative of the overall good experience that your customers are having you're not getting a bunch of people canceling their subscriptions to your i did get a bunch yeah i actually did get a bunch out of how what number out of how many i had to deal with the tech side of things because it's showing that i sold sold over 100 meditations yeah probably around 120 something at this point how many have churned I don't know exactly because... Take. 50, 40, 30, 10? Maybe 20. Maybe 20. 20, 25. 25 max. Maybe not even. Uh, 20. <laughs> That's what I'm doing today. I have to look at those numbers today okay. and figure Get it out. Get your numbers together. <laughs> I know. I should know this. But yeah, so so that's just showing me, okay, I feel like, and I, I think I know, which is why I'm aiming in the direction of having a more formatted way of doing the meditations, which I think is going to help people feel more motivated to stay on the app and to feel like they're making progress versus just have random meditations they're paying for. Like it just, I even see it. These just look like a bunch of random meditations that are helpful and the guys who are using them are like holy shit this is like changing me I can't believe this but then the guys who just like maybe don't resonate with many of them or feel like they have one concern they're not seeing as much value because there's not consistency in helping them improve day by day anyway I kind of see I'm seeing where the first switch is going to be to for more retention 
but yeah, and what a little light bulb moment that turned on for me when you were talking about the whole idea of like you have to look for the things you're doing that aren't working so well, otherwise you're gonna keep doing the things that aren't working so well. It's the same in relationship conversations, right? If you're not addressing the problems in your relationship and you're just avoiding the problems and only, you know, just assuming that things are great all the time and then you're gonna have these problems and those problems are gonna build resentment and within yourself and within your partner. And they're always gonna be there until you confront them and you communicate through them. So I, I feel like maybe even just us having conversations that don't always feel easy to have and working through things together has helped me with that mentality when it comes to business too, where it's, okay, like I have to seek out like I have to be able to find out what's not working so that I can make it better. And so that I can, let me communicate with my clients. I like to, around the things that I'm nervous about or unsure about. So yeah, I think for everyone to remember that it, it goes in all relationships of life. If you're not talking about things and you're not trying to understand them and you're just sweeping them under the rug, they're, they're gonna come back and hit you in some way, so. Amen. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks for your time. Thanks everyone. for listening, guys. Thanks for listening, Sam. <laughs> how long is the Sam joke going to go? How long am I going to just address Sam on these podcast episodes? And I think he only listened to one episode, so I'm actually not convinced he's going to hear this. Anyways, good chatting with you. I guess next episode we could talk about best decisions and whatever else you had because you did frame a few things that we didn't get to. Yeah. Yeah, this went an hour, so I think we, we did good filling it up with lots of health stuff and business updates. Until right. next time. Bye, guys.